0: Good morning, everybody. Time begins. Then give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Good to be here. Good to see everybody here this morning. It's always good to be in God's house and time to learn the word. So let's just move right in. Brother Jimmy, would you pray over this morning's lessons?
1: Heavenly Father, we just thank you, praise and glorify you, dear God, Lord, for this day that you give us Lord, your God. We'll- Thank you, Lord, dear God, for having your presence here today, Lord. And Lord, we just, uh, Lord, just praise you for everything, Lord, that you've given us this life, Lord. And, Lord, we just ask you to bless the church today, God. Bless every word that's spoken, every song that's sung, everything that's done for Your glory today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dismiss the class.
2: Good morning, Rock Harbor. Good, morning. Good to see everybody this morning. Lord, thank you, Lord. Get our books open here. Page thirty one in your study guides. Title of today's lesson is Paul's prayers for churches. Central truth is that Christians should pray for one another, to uh, to know God, show love, and live exemplar exemplary lives. Oh, that word always gets me. Yeah, it's just it's always the way it's pronounced it's rough for me. Okay, so the central truth, and obviously the central truth is always the hint, you know, of what's what's to come. And, and speaking about how we pray and praying for other people, and I think obviously this is a critical, very critical lesson. Um, when, we're, when, when you're examining your life on how you can get closer to God and how you can have a, uh, an accurate uh, and fruitful relationship with the Lord, um, praying for other people is going to be right in the middle of that. It really is. Um, and, and I think I don't I think this I don't know it I don't know I think this I think that Christians don't pray for other people as much as they'd like to think that they do that's what I think I said I got no facts to prove that I got no, I've got no evidence and I could be totally wrong but if if I'm looking at the numbers and I'm thinking well, let's look at Christianity across all cultures 100% of Christians how many of those Christians really, truly pray for the other, other person? And I'm not talking about a kind of prayer that's like, bless them. That's not a prayer. Bless them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You say, well, bless bless, Stacy, Bless Julie. That's good. I'm not knocking that, but that's good. But that's not, that's not exactly what I'm speaking about. It's like I'm going... I'm talking about going to the throne boldly for another individual. That's what I'm talking about. And so if if we kind of separate those and think, okay, well, how many people do I bless in, in prayer? Quite a few. How many do I actually take to the throne with their needs and put those needs also at the Lord's feet on my end? I honestly don't think very many people do that I just don't think that's happening because there's a bunch of effects that go with it and we'll talk about that there's, there's things that go with it, it's just like anything else there's always byproducts that prove that if those things are happening, then those things are there but if those things are not happening, then those things won't be there, and I think that it proves itself in the condition that Christianity is in today, I think it proves itself I don't think you gotta look very far to figure out that I think that praying for other people has got to once again become a a main staple, a main staple of the Christian lifestyle that we authentically want other people to do better than we are doing. Authentically. I want someone to do better, not just bringing in the back end. There's this, I'll say this and then we'll move on. There's this weird... I don't even know the word for it. There's this weird unspoken competition that I think is going on in humanity. It's an unspoken... You could say it's keeping up with the Joneses. Some people might refer to it as that. It's not quite that. But it it has leaked its way into Christianity to where are we really happy to see other people doing well? I'm asking you just to examine your heart. I'm just saying it's a heart deal. Are we really happy to see other people doing well? Do we really want to see somebody do better than we are doing? Because I think that dictates your prayers. I believe it does. I believe it dictates how much you pray for them. And, and do we pray for them once? And, and I use this loosely. Are you still praying for them once they pass you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are we still praying for them once they pass us? Well, they didn't they pass me. I had been praying for financial blessing, and they got it. I've been praying for this, and they got it. I've been praying for all these things, and I prayed for them, and now they got it. I ain't getting my prayers no more. I'm going to pray a little extra for myself now. I, I'm not saying that this is a plague, but I am saying that there's this unspoken competition that goes on amongst people. And it's leaked its way into the church. And and people that are, if you, if you you can catch it, you catch it. Even, I've caught it within myself. I'm being honest. I've caught it within myself. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second here. That's some corruptible stuff. I don't need to hold on to that. That's, that's not any condition I need to get into. Be worried about where other people are at and are you getting blessings and I'm not getting any blessings? Why are you getting the blessings and I ain't getting the blessings? Why is things working out for you and not working out for me? Why am I suffering? Why are you not suffering? Anybody with me? Why are these things happening? And does that, does that outcome dictate our prayer life? Does it dictate how we view and how we perceive our brother and sister in Christ? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I, I always refer back to the old family saying. People can get away with certain things. Why? Because they're family, right? You've heard that? You can get away with it because they're family. But if we really look look at each other as family then there should be things that we let slide. And the Lord spoke that to me one time. I was having a, a bitterness issue with someone. And uh, he showed me in a glimpse, I was driving down the road, he showed me in a glimpse, all the things that that individual had been instrumental with in my life. And this is exactly his words to me. He said, why don't you just give them a pass? Why, why not? Because of everything that they've been engaged with you throughout your life, why don't you just give them a pass? Let it go. Why not? Well, I was too busy thinking about all these other things, right? You know, getting ahead. You know, why are they getting in? I ain't. I got caught up in that unspoken competition, and I lost sight of everything that actually had been done for me by this individual. I had to let it go. So, the value of prayer and perspective of prayer. Uh, we could even We could even throw in perception of prayer. All right. Under, let's get started. Paul must have had a rich prayer life. He was in prison during the time in which he wrote the letters we are studying this week, yet he did not engage in self-pity. Instead, he wrote positive, joyful, endearing words to those he had ministered to, and he prayed for them. Perhaps we might be moved by his example to consider our own prayers. How much time do we spend in self-pity or in a me-first prayers? Shouldn't our prayers include the needs of the people around us, those we encounter along the way, both past and present? It's a good question. Have you ever wondered whether or not the prayers you offer yourself and others represent the priorities of God? Another good question. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day affairs of life and lose sight of critical kingdom realities. We find ourselves so often consumed by our own needs, health issues, financial circumstances, and other temporal struggles that we fail to recognize God's eternal plans for us in the world. As you reflect upon the Apostle Paul's prayers for the churches to which he wrote and administered, consider the critical importance of these prayer. Uh, these prayers emphasizes in your own life. Okay, so highlights of just the of the of the get started uh, section is the the question: What kind of prayers are we praying? And I think that's a great question. What kind of prayers are we praying? That's a question you have to ask yourself before you leave here today. What kind of prayers am I praying? Do I pray? Do am I praying prayers that are based solely upon my needs? And maybe even prayers, do I pray, is the only time that I pray for someone else because I stand to gain something? That's an interesting question because maybe we're connected somehow. You know, Sean, he works, he works with me on Fridays. It might be in my best interest to keep him in my prayers. I need him to work Friday.
3: <laughs> you
2: see what I'm saying? Are we, are we praying based on a possible uh, uh, reward of obtaining? You know, we special interest groups. We become our own personal special interest group, uh, and, and we pray for the people that are of a special interest to us and our personal priorities.
0: Praying for the angle.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good, good point. Praying for the angle. So. Explain that a little bit.
0: Well, it's just like, I mean, exactly like what you said. Mm -hmm. You know, you. what I really wanted to say before you started with that and you kept rolling, and I was like, that's the ankle. (laughs) It's like a business strategy.
2: Right, absolutely.
0: It's a business strategy. What I wanted to say before that was, even the person that you think's got everything and rolling, You don't know what they go through on a daily basis you don't know
3: uh, very good, their, good good observation their
0: physical their mental they spiritual mm-hmm. you know a lot of people step on a lot of other people's toes or foreheads as far as that goes in a business world
2: yeah
0: squish the bug right you know <laughs> and, and a little pun here.
2: yes yeah <laughs> I, I caught it <laughs>
0: but <clears throat> Even, even when you're being selfish, prayer, prayer-wise, yeah. selfishly, even mentioning someone else, the world does sneak in on you. It does. You know, you, 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 we are human, and and I I, I refer to this as the little, the little angel and the little devil on the side. Yeah. You know, they're whispering in your ear. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's it is you. We almost can't get away from that.
2: No, no, it's it's actually it's a decision. We have to make a decision at that. We're all we're all in that pivotal point at some time or another where we're having to make that decision. That's a good point. Um, I heard uh, I was listening to Jordan Peterson one time and he said something that was it was profound enough for me to write down. He said never become jealous of someone else's burden. Never become jealous of someone else's burden because he said you have no idea what burdens other people. So why are you jealous of it? You think, man, I want what you got, but you ain't ever walked in those shoes. You, you didn't mean, know what it took to get that. It took to get it. That's right. The sacrifice and the time and the, and the things that kind of go in with that. So I think that goes with that too. It's great. Okay. Um, and are, are we praying in God's will or praying for ours? Question mark. It's something to think about. Can we agree that day to day activities sometimes dominate our prayer time? Can we admit that today? Amen. Right here. Absolutely. Amen. And, and it's, not to, it's not devaluing anything that you're going through at all. It's not. But we've talked about this recently. It's like when you look at the scripture, though, and, you're, and it's like, okay, I want to follow scripture. I want to follow God's will. I want to follow God's will for my life. And then I look at the, the model prayer and look at the way that he's praying and look at the way that, that um, we're told to pray and how love operates. And I'm like, man, if you came back right now and you and I had a conversation about this, I don't think they'd look very good. I'm not doing a very good job at this I mean I'm really I'm caught up in I'm caught up in uh, uh, because you know just because of our culture we're we're caught up in praying for finances we're worried about our money and and that's a big one because I think that that, that's kind of across the board Um, we're worried about our money where's the money going what's gonna happen you know what's gonna happen next month next week you know we're always worried about those things and maybe you've mastered that. Maybe you have. That's great. If you have, maybe we should talk, and you can help me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, we're worried about our.
0: Uh,
2: we're, we're worried about tomorrow. Can I just say it like that? We're yeah. just worried about tomorrow, and it's always within a a circle that we have drawn. Wherever the parameters are, it's always and it's like the old saying of "my four, no more." It it's probably about 15 or 20 maybe of people that you dub as the highest and the highest priority and the most important people in your life and those are the people that you pay most attention to i'm not saying that you shouldn't i'm simply saying though that if if you're if you got a hold of your 10 or how many ever in your circle i got my 10 you ain't in my 10 and i'm not in your 10 and if that's the case there's a lot of people get forgotten about and could we even venture to say that maybe there's even people that never get prayed for? Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: And, then, and then to flip it and to consider that I cross paths with you two, three times a week in the Christian realm, but I'm not praying for you? And I heard you re- prayer request. I heard that you had needs. But because we don't fit those people within our circle, we're not really apt to pray for them or even take the time to do it because we could go in a long stretch and I don't want to get into the time aspect of it because we got to keep going. But the time aspect of it is a big thing because if you don't, if you don't have time, you prioritize most important. And usually what that means is I can tell you from my own experience is that as I run out of time, you start cutting off the back end until you get it all the way down to your spouse and your children. And that is the only people you pray about every single day amen and it's because of time i ain't got no time i don't have enough time i i believe this is just me i called myself out on this if that's the case then i've done a really poor job of time management in time with the lord awful job i just hadn't done a very good job at it because nothing else is important to me but that group you see you see what i'm saying there's something is out of balance if that is the only thing that's important to us and those are the only people that we really care about that actually do well or make it through, we're, we're a big family. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Do we agree that there's probably gonna be some time that we have to spend in order to cover some prayers? Yeah. And, and, we, and I'm not saying that you're, once again, let me make sure we are, are in agreement here. I'm not saying that you're not praying. I think this lesson though calls us out and really examines motive of prayer and how we're praying and what we're praying about, and whether those prayers that we're even praying, maybe even some of them ain't even necessary. Maybe we do need to pray for someone else before we fall asleep instead of ourselves. Maybe you were gonna say something.
0: And this, it just come to me that we need to decontaminate ourselves before we reach into the Lord. Oh, no, that's good. Yeah, to, that's a good thing. To start point. out, leave the world and everything else behind. Yeah. To get. Yep. And and the perspective should be that little drop that's Rabney, Oklahoma, Rock Harbor Church, or just your family. There is a bigger picture, a lot bigger than we give it credit. Sure. God holds us in his hand.
2: Yep. The universe in his hand. Yep. You know, it's it's huge. I think God works in, to go along with what Stacey's saying. I'll say this and let's, we'll read our scripture. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but Stacy mentioned the big picture here, and I think that's a good point. You mentioned the big, the big picture. Well, to some degree, the big picture is still the little town of Rabia, because I believe in dynamics. I believe that when God sets something up, that it's for a purpose and a reason. It's like, well, why have we been a small church for the last 23 years? Because that's what God wants. Why, why don't we get any bigger than this. And I'm not referring to the land. That's a different story. We're not even talking about that right now. Why don't we get any bigger than than this little church? Because that's if you haven't noticed in the last 23 years that's kind of the theme. It's small church, close relationships, close people. That's the theme. But if, if all the time that we always think that this, if, if we're always thinking it's not big enough or we want more or we want all this, the dynamic. Do you realize if we go from, I don't know, we got about 60 people here probably on uh, Sunday morning somewhere around in their stays if you go to a church you grow, and say you cross the hundred member mark whatever you want to call a member a hundred people showing up on Sunday morning do you realize the whole dynamic changes with a hundred people there's some people that you're not even gonna be able to touch base with see then then you grow and you get bigger and you always got to ask yourself if we get bigger do you really want that and maybe maybe it's okay to be a small church Maybe that's okay. Now, I'm not talking about the land. I'm not talking about a new church. We're not even talking about that. I don't personally, in my, in my brain, I don't attach a new church with bigger numbers. We, we need a new church. <laughs> okay? Away from growth. Forget that. Structurally, we, we need a new church. It would be good. So, you know, always, we, you know, sometimes our prayers are laced with more. Sometimes more is not always better.
1: I know with the the small church and the personal relationships that I have within that church, that I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So I can, I've, I've known that, that you know this being a small church is the one thing that has saved has saved my, my life and turned me around. It's the simple fact that I have the ability to talk to you yep. and John and Sean and you know and it, to to stop by and see somebody out here and they're like, hey, Stony, come on in, you know. Sure. Uh, that. Yeah. There's
2: there's there's it's instrumental yes. in the way that it, yes, it it is it functions and works. You know it's. It's different if you're if you're in a church where it's uh, a highly regulated yes if you, if you know what I'm saying it, it becomes a, a lot less of a, of a family nature yeah. and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that so I'm not saying to, th-
1: in the bigger church sometimes you have to introduce yourself like three or four times before they really start right <laughs> <you. laughs>
2: Right. that's true so yeah that would change as we grew. all right let's read our scriptures let's keep moving got some good points to make this morning Sean you feeling it this morning? Yeah, I'll do it. All right,
3: brother. (laughs) Ephesians three eleven or three fourteen. I'm sorry. Uh, For this reason, I knelt before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth desires or derives derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all in the lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and deep high and deep is the love of christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of god now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen philippians 1 3 i thank god i thank my god every time i remember you in all my prayers for all of you i always pray with joy and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth and of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God Colossians 1 9 for this reason since the day we heard about you we have not stopped praying for you we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live, with a, live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing the fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Very good, sir. Thank you. Part 1, To Know
2: God in Fullness Paul's highest priorities for the church as he established were eternal. He was concerned with the spiritual growth of believers and he portrayed the church as a magnificent mystery and cherished expression of divine love. Ephesians 3 records one of two prayers found in Paul's letters to the Ephesians. This prayer demonstrates Paul's desire to see God work powerfully among the Gentiles, who made up a large majority of the Ephesian believers. Paul prayed that the Ephesians be strengthened with power by God's Spirit in their inner selves. The word translated power means strengthened with might, the might necessary to live victorious Christian lives. All right, so the phrase there that I want you to attach yourself to is victorious Christian lives. Now, if you're in church any kind of time, especially in the Pentecostal realm, you're going to hear that phrase a lot, victorious Christian lives, victorious Christian living, uh, having victory, uh, using that word often. It's one thing to understand it cognitively and to get it. It's like, okay, what does... It's like, it's, it's like times, at times Christians look at it as an equation. It's like, okay, you know, Christ equals victory. Yes, that's true on his end. Because you didn't have nothing to do with that, right? Everything Christ was given to you freely, correct? He gave it to you freely. he he'd done everything that he was going to do. He did it on the cross um, he did it for, specifically for you. Now it's one thing to get it here but it's another thing completely to get it here and this is what we're talking about when we're talking about victorious Christian, uh living victoriously. Living victoriously has nothing to do at all with the money that you're making, with the successes in your life with any of those things um, and, I, and I think I'll go as far as to say that it, it it even goes into how you feel this morning, physically, emotionally, mentally, because often we rate victorious living depending on how we feel about our situation. Can we agree with that? Amen. It's like well, it's like you know, and I'll use money as an example because that's obviously the easiest to relate to. It's like, well, I haven't got no money, no victory. No, that's not true. That's not true. Just because we don't have certain things that are in place the way that we want would want them to be does not dictate victory victory is a spiritual matter all right it's a spiritual matter it's a thing that we have inside of us this is why the the church has got to come back to the place where victory is not dependent on circumstance victory is only dependent on what God has done within our hearts and that's it alone by itself it did God's God's victory doesn't need any help yeah. all right he didn't need he didn't need your help he didn't need my help. He didn't need, he didn't need me to explain anything to you at all. God's victory speaks for itself. And so this is something that lives within our lives. Now, it, it was important because Paul, see, fit to teach them this. Why do you think it was important for them, him to teach them this? Because they were at risk of doing the opposite. This is why it was important. So he wanted them to understand um, uh, being strengthened uh, and with might and, and the, the kind of strength and might that was necessary to live out the lifestyle that God wanted us to live. Let me keep going because there's, there's, there's another piece to this. Such might is only available through the Holy Spirit. Paul then prayed that Christ would dwell in their hearts to make them uh, this victorious living a reality. All right, so you, it speaks for itself. Lastly, Paul called upon God to establish the Ephesian believers in love. He's speaking about love in verse 17. Now let me relate something back to you, kind of what we were talking about before. We were talking about prayer kind of where your prayers end up. Why would he be talking about uh, telling them uh, to establish, he wanted to establish the believers in love? Because real love, real love, it has got you thinking about someone else. It does. It got you thinking about someone else other than yourself. That's real love. Love that it's that, that's not operating the way that it needs to. If you don't believe me, just go back and look at the definition of love according to the Bible. It's patient and it's kind. I mean think about this I think this is really really good if you look at the definition of love there's a hint in the, in it and do you know what the hint is the hint is is that you're actually interested in someone else because there is absolutely no reason to need love if you don't care about anybody else think about it there is absolutely no reason for you to take seriously uh, that that love is patient and love is kind why do I care why would I care if love is patient and kind if I really don't care about dealing with you anyway? Think about it. If, if, you don't, if you don't care two cents about the person that's sitting next to you, then love doesn't have any bearing. The definition has no bearing, because it's of no interest. But if you are engaged with the family and you wanna know how to further that, then you look at love. It says love is patient, love is kind. It's like, hmm. I need to be more patient with my brother I need to be more kind to my brother but it's kind of it's once again it's kind of self-explanatory if if we have and I admit it's easier if we only care about it's easy for me to love my wife and my children are are you with me it's easy to love that group it's like I don't have to explain it to you because you all have you know spouses children Family, it's easy to love that crew, but uh, it's a little bit different when you get outside of that and you start dealing with other people. Then we got to apply what we got to apply what love, but it's easier. It's easier if we just don't, if we're not interested. It's like Sean's got some stuff going on, man. It's fine, Sean will be all right. Why? I don't have to apply love, I don't have to apply anything. I can just say, Sean, he's gonna be all right. Bless him, Lord. (laughs) Bless him. (laughs) And then we, we call that good. But is it really good? I think that we got to examine our prayers and come back to that and then wonder, am, am, I, am I motivated only by what goes on in my life? Am I only motivated by whether I stand to gain something from another individual? Am I only motivated by um, things that are easy to pray about? It is not easy to pray about somebody that you're impatient with. And realize that the problem is more on you than it is them. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard. Most Christians are not willing to put the time in or the work, would you? Well he might tell
1: you, why don't you bless him?
2: Yeah, right, that's true, he could.
1: You know. We're supposed to bless each other. Yeah,
2: absolutely. He needs financial he needs some financial help, you help him. He needs a coat, you give it to him. That's a good point.
0: here several times you're supposed to pray for your enemies. Mhm. How hard is that?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult. And so, so when he was calling him to love, I just want to make sure we understand the scope of that thing. And when we're talking about love, there there are some very revealing factors in love when you start looking at the definition of love and how we're actually viewing our brother and sister in Christ, the way we actually see them. Okay, so it says because the Greek culture placed a great deal of value on knowledge Churches in the Greco-Roman world were always in danger of an overly intellectual approach to the faith. I believe we're going through that problem right now. Yeah. And, and, and I, I I love the intellectual approach. There are some great things to teach on. But the, the Spirit makes sure that I'm even understanding. Once you pass a certain point, then it just becomes all cognitive. Then it doesn't even really hold any value. I mean, it doesn't matter if you understand it in your head if you don't get it in your heart. Understanding God, however, requires much more than intellect. True knowledge of God is possible only through an understanding of the vast dimensions of divine love. Paul prayed that they would grasp how wide and long and deep and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 ended with a doxology affirming Paul's confidence in God to accomplish that which is beyond all that not only asks but conceives in his heart. There is no limit to God's power. The only limitations lie with humans who lack sufficient ability to ask or even imagine. So where does the problem lie? With us. With us. It's us. It's on us. The power inherent within Paul's prayers and ours is not an impersonal outside force. Rather, that power is found in the workings of God within us as we pray and believe boldly and confidently. It's only only question that I pose, and I agree with that, and I, I would assume that you would too, that what am i believing god boldly and confidently for and is what i am believing for in god's will is it in his will is it in line with his word does it line up the power is due to the fact christ lives within his followers and his spirit can make the most bold request uh, the most bold request a reality absolutely the doxology concludes with praise to him be glory in the church and in G- christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. amen the exclamation of god will never end it is an incumbent it is incumbent upon us to bring him glory beginning now and extending throughout all the ages to come and, and we've talked about it in here before i mean if you if uh if you truly love the lord you're going to be bringing him praise down here and that's our job to do but you're going to be doing it forever up there I mean, that's that's your eternal, that's your eternal. This is practice, getting ready for what's to come.
1: Brother, uh, you said, uh, you know, and and I know, you know, we need to bless people with material things when we got more, but uh, people would rather be loved than anything. Absolutely, I agree with that. That's a good point. You wouldn't know how much these kids bless me. Hmm. Yeah. When, when they come up and you know it's like something to you, mm-hmm. you can do that to adults. We don't have to go out and, yeah. and find something to give, you know, a material thing because God said love them. Love them. And if you love them, you're gonna give it to them anyway. Yeah. So, uh, if you got you got something they need, you know. Yes, absolutely. Those you, kids do, not using.
2: We can definitely take a page out of their book. And the way that kids love. It's such a, such a pure and innocent way of doing it. No no strings attached, you know. Child love is, is, is really good. Uh, section 2 to Abound in Love. Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians with a uh, from a Roman prison. Philippians is one of the number of epistles known as prison epistles. Yet many of uh, these letters are filled with expressions of joy. This is especially true of Philippians. Paul's prayer began with thanksgiving and, and expressions of joy. He stated the basis of his joy, his gratitude for their partnership with him in the, uh, in the proclamation of the gospel. Okay, so he was where? Prison. And he's happy because of the partnership that he has um, with them in the spreading of the gospel. Now, would you say that Paul was a man of priorities? He had some stuff figured out here. Now, what I did is I just took myself. And I said, okay, let's put me there. Same situation, let's put me in prison. And what am I gonna be doing? Every single day, I'm praying for myself. Nobody's got it worse than me. I don't care about partnerships, I don't care about uh, connections, I don't care. I don't wanna be here. And and somehow, I ended up here, and either I must must not have prayed enough, I must have went wrong somewhere, and I'm pretty much gonna mourn for however long my tenure is there. Can anyone agree, with, do you think that Amen. you would be me? This guy wrote some of the most influential pieces while he was in prison. Is it possible that you could do some of your most influential work in the kingdom when things are not going your way? It's possible. Motivated correctly. He cared only about what was going on eternal, from an eternal perspective. It's a good perspective to get. Paul founded the church at Philippi at the beginning of the second missionary journey. And as he was writing this letter more than 10 years later, their relationship with him was unchanged. They had remained faithful partners. The faithfulness of the church at Philippi produced extraordinary affection on Paul's part toward them. So, So he had the capacity. That's what got me. The guy had the capacity to love in prison. You, you've heard that before. you've heard, well, prison make you hard. It didn't make hard. I mean, this guy was in the dungeon and this and we're not talking about the kind of stuff that we got today. We're talking about in the sewage. That's where they put him. they put him in the shackles and they'd put them up and they would chain either their ankles or their arms. And it was like an underground, like type cave scenario. And so, most of the time, it was in the, the drainage. So, the drainage would come through the prison cells. So, you can imagine, just kind of, you know, in your head, think about all that stuff kind of running through there. That's your home. It was Paul's home for years. He's writing some of the best stuff he'd ever wrote to affect you today. Are you not thankful that this guy? didn't care about his circumstance, and he was focused on, on not only the churches, but you. Amen. He's like, there's something bigger here going on than me just being in prison. Thank God, thank God he ignored and was able to press through, because I benefit today because of it.
1: Well, wouldn't, it wouldn't it be awful that God had to, to, to have him put you in jail so you'd have time to... <laughs> all right, yeah, no, I know I mean, it. I, I mean, Paul was busy all time. Yeah. But... Uh, he had to get in there where he could write these things. So he, 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 he didn't just, even though he couldn't write them down. He's not, I don't know if he's where he couldn't move his hands or, yep. or had a pen or whatever. Sure. But uh, he thinking about all this stuff when you're not, not outside. Absolutely. I want to tell you what. That'd be rough. You get locked at the, at door locks. That mm-hmm. does something to you.
2: I, I always say I think about I look at Paul's situation. Then I think about. The way i have complained i was like you know my prayer time or whatever your prayer time is or whatever it's like well it's not the right time in the morning i want to do it at this time well it's too cold it's too hot i don't like my seat i don't li- i like it like this when i pray not like it like this when i pray you think about that you think well you're in this situation you can get a choice you're thrown in there mm-hmm. there ain't no comfortable prayer position there ain't no place to find where we can get cozy and say oh now i'm going to talk to the lord no no you you're going to pray or you're not going to pray and so, thank God that he pressed through. He expressed this in verses 7 through 8. While uh, Even while he was in prison, the churches sought to bring him comfort. The apostle never doubted the love and devotion of the Philippians. Paul also expressed his confidence uh, that God, who had begun a good spiritual work in them, could be counted on to finish it. That's amazing. Paul had confidence that their spiritual growth would continue until the day of Christ's return, and he understood that the work of salvation was the work of God and not of mere people. So he, he understood it. He got it. He really he really got it. Following his expressions of thanksgiving and joy over the Philippians, Paul transitioned to prayer. He even asked God to give them knowledge and depth of understanding and the ability to discern the pure from those things that would hinder them. Still need it today. Amen. Agreed? Yes. We still need the ability to be able to discern the difference between good things and bad things. And, to, and, to, and not only that, but to, uh, to act on it. I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and the reason I was thinking about it is because I heard, might have been Perry Stone, might have been somebody had mentioned something about it, about repentance. And I was really, for some reason last night, I, it just really got a hold of me, thinking about repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Repentance is actually changing your mind and going in another direction. And I've always known that, but it really hit me. I don't know why last night it just hit me. It was like... It, it, saying you're sorry doesn't cut it with God. No. He wants to see you actually change and don't do that anymore. Well. That's that was man. I'm mold on that. I was like, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. I wish I'd got a hold of that. You know, you know, earlier in my life. When Paul encouraged the pursuit of knowledge, he never meant knowledge for its own sake. He called for a knowledge motivated by love. Well, that's interesting. This is the ability to grasp spiritual truth. Paul was praying for the church to understand the will, the works, and the ways of God. Well, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, love's got to be in the middle of it. Well, if the command, think about the commands to not be bitter, you know, towards someone else or hold, you know, we'll talk about holding grudges and things like that. How does how does how does um, not being bitter even function without love? It can't. It's impossible. It, it, it cannot function by itself. But many people try to make it function by itself. They try to separate it. They try to get it to where, you know, it's like, well, I'm gonna shake my, I'm gonna shake your hand, Stace, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hug your neck. But oh, man, I can't stand Your heart is still corrupt. You see, we should be paying attention to the heart issue, not so much what we're doing with the heart issue. Instead of instead of saying you know, I can I'm gonna get over the fact that Jesse makes me angry. I can get over that. I'll have to push it to the side. But man, boy, that bothers me really bad. You better double check that and make sure that you actually repented. Because repent means you changed your mind about it. You change you changed. You ain't doing it no more. So it could be it could still be set up in our heart and we could still be corrupt and still do the right thing. Who'd have thought you could do the right thing and still be wrong? <laughs> You do the right thing, and you could still be wrong. So I think that's powerful. Okay. Uh, The word translated discern in the New International Version can be translated judge or perceive. It speaks of the ability to grasp the distinctions between two or more things. There is a sense of wisdom present within this word as it has to do with the skill and ability to separate good choices from bad. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to rock my chair on that one. Do we not need that today? I am. And I would say that that's probably one of the because because I think if you can if you can get that right then you start making better choices people will choose God they'll come back they'll come back to him again if they get that right if you just put it back where it needs to be but most people don't well look what it says here in the next sentence it says the knowledge discernment and insight referenced in this passage have to do with moral choices we were just talking about that last week rather than mere intellectual understanding and that's exactly what I'm seeing today is more of a, a uh, intellectual aspect of it. Well, if we put this guy in this position, he'll do this, and then we'll get this. That's an intellectual thing. You're looking at it on paper, and you think it, it makes sense on paper. We're not suffering from that. We're suffering from a spiritual issue. It's something that's going on in here. So it says, The knowledge, discernment, and insight reference to this passage have to do with moral choices being moral. Pastor, you just talked about this last week that these moral choices that we have are, are, are connected with the moral giver. They're connected with him. And so, this, um, this need for moral choices has never been higher than it is today. But not just saying, okay, I'm going to do, we're going to do better. We're going to do better. I mean, we just seen this, and I don't know how you feel about this, but we just seen this in this last election. That just because a bunch of people want it to be, and maybe even the majority of it, want it to be a certain way, I truly believe because they have unpacked more morality and put it over here and taken God and put him over there, which is exactly why we've ended up where we're at. I don't care if 65, 75% of your country wants better things. If you unpack it from the God who gave you the better things, you're still going to lose. He's still going to turn you over to evil leaders. Still going to do it. Because you don't want him. You just want the good things he brings. Yeah. And, and at the end, I think God gets tired of it. He's like, I'm tired of it. You're going to choose me? Or you ain't going to get nothing at all. And I, I don't want to get into all that because that's a deep, deep, yeah. that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, choose. You got to choose. You got to make a choice. All right. Paul prayed. For the Philippians, so they would uh, be blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Moving to section three. To live worthy of the Lord. The Westminster Shorter Catchism, I'm saying that correctly, written in 1646 and 1647 as an instruction for Christian life and belief, asked a key question. What is the chief end of man? The answer given is powerful. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I mean, if that was if that was all I would, if that's all I knew, that that, that that my purpose was to glorify God, if if that's all I knew, then I would want to seek out every opportunity to pull that off. If that's really my chief end, if that's really what I'm here for, because I mean, obviously I'm not here for the, we're not here for the riches, we're not here for none of that stuff. Why? Because it, it's it's temporal. It's not gonna last, and that I'm like kind of like Solomon in that way. I like look at it, and you start to see it from a bigger picture. That guy was not only the wisest, but the richest, and he finally come to the conclusion. He's like, "What good is any of it when I gotta give it away when it's all over?" That's a really good thought. And if that doesn't put things in perspective, I don't know what 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 will. It's like, well, of course you want to live well, but what about the rest of eternity? And does it do good to gain the whole world and to lose your soul? I think that's a that's a good thought um Paul prayed that God would fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding the word fill refers to being filled to the point of being complete complete so God if he starts the work he's going to finish it complete it this comes through the work of the Spirit of God in our minds and hearts God created us to bring him glory he desires that we bear fruit and grow in his knowledge the Spirit works to establish the character of Jesus in us, enabling us to bring God glory. So as, as, as you're being dealt with throughout your life, the Holy Spirit is bringing you to uh, more of a Christ-like character, which in turn brings glory to God, but in turn, which is what ultimately living out the Christ life is what qualifies us to move on and to live with him forever. Change. You have to be changed by the cross in order to make it to heaven. There is no other way, right? The cross is it. And it's, an, uh, it's not a one-time experience. It's a life that is to be lived out every single day. All right, keep moving. I can't believe we're going to finish. <laughs> two, two weeks in a row. The apostle Paul reminded the Colossians of their spiritual qualifications in Christ Jesus, declaring them to be qualified to share in Christ's inheritance. There's the qualification thing. God's people have been made holy by him and separated unto the Lord to be a people for his possession. As Christians, none of of this is accomplished on our own. Jesus rescued us from the kingdom of darkness through his saving sacrifice. We once belonged to the kingdom of darkness, but now are joint heirs of the kingdom of God's Son. Joint heirs, we've been grafted in. Once we were under Satan's power, but now we are God's. We have been delivered and forgiven. Amen. Amen. The work of Christ on the cross has purchased fully our everlasting salvation. We have been fully reconciled to God. In response to his gift, we are now called to honor and reflect our kingdom citizenship. And this comes into the lifestyle. This is the lifestyle. This is the thing that we all, not only the our generation but the younger generation has to have a full understanding of is that this is not about coming to the altar and then receiving Christ and then being able to have a license to go out and do as we want because we're free. We're free but we're free in Christ. You're not free to sin. We're We're free in Christ in that your life is about reflecting kingdom things and I could I could chase a lot of things here, like fruit. You're supposed to be bearing fruit, right? You're supposed but to be bearing things that reflect the kingdom, that sh- that that reflect Christ, and that show people this is the way this is done. Uh, we've talked about returning to holiness in here quite often, and, and Pastor has, has brought this to our attention, and we need to take note of it. That I believe that He is preparing His bride. He's preparing his bride. He's preparing. He said, look, if you're gonna be, if you want to be in this, then be in it. If you want to be in it, then live it. Do it. But if you don't, then go. As Pastor just said, choose this day whom you're gonna serve. You gotta make a decision. You're gonna choose. I believe that the last two years have been a, a decision making time for people to make up their minds. I think God is saying right now, he said, make up your mind, decide. Now, when the end comes, I don't know. All I know is that I'm here. And it's obvious that I was chosen for the last days. You were too. Get over it. You could have to be okay with that. Yeah. And that there's a lot of reflecting that we have to do. There's a lot of reflecting.
1: Well, uh, brother, Sunday school is not just something that we do at church. Yeah. It it it's where we get the knowledge and renew our knowledge. God's word. Yep. And the things that we need to be doing as a Christian person, Mm -hmm. as a church.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Let me finish this up and then I want to end just with one thing. Uh, We must live worthy of our calling. An indescribable price has been paid for our sins and we are now called to express our gratitude and submission by living holy lives and demonstrating his love to our world. Okay. So, it ended on the love note. Now, I want to, I just want to kind of, I want to kind of read uh, backtrack just for a second as we close um, talking about the way that you pray we were just talking about this earlier in that love, love is um, it's interconnected with the way that you pray and what motivates you to pray so if, if we're operating in love correctly then other people should be on our minds and on our hearts we should be concerned about what people are going through in the church love does that love makes you interested in other people Love says pay attention over here, pay attention over there. But if we're not operating in love the way that we need to, I truly believe only by scripture that if I only am caring about myself and my crew and my people, the people that I have put in my circle, if that's the only people that I pray about, then I don't believe I'm acting out love correctly. I don't believe I'm doing that right. I believe I'm missing a very important ingredient into being effective in the kingdom. Because effective kingdom work, effective ministry has got me praying for you and you praying for me. But if the only people we pray for are the people that are in our circles, then I think that we are missing out on a very, very big part of ministry. Very big part of it. I need your prayers, you need my prayers? You need the person sitting next to you's prayers? If you do, that's motivated by love, it really is. So if that's you this morning, go back and re-examine your prayer life. Let's make sure it's motivated by love. God bless you guys. Thanks.